Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that great introduction. With me today is Claudette Estherine, who was born in Jamaica and now lives in Canada, quite a different climate. She studied international relations at Kiev State University in the Ukraine, and then theological studies at Newman Theological College in Alberta, Canada. She has worked as a chaplain for both hospitals and prisons and has furthered studied behavioral counseling and case management in the federal correctional system. She is an active blogger helping women and, of course, men who are working through the daily realities of life, including child abuse, domestic violence, and racial marginalization. Welcome, Claudette. Thank you so much. And I can tell by the sound of your voice, you are a warm human being. And that's what we're going to share with our listeners today, how you have a heart for the hurting. What was what triggered this to want to help your fellow woman and man as much as you do? And was this triggered by your own life experiences? Yes, absolutely. Um I, I I love what you said about um, the hurt. I, I tend to call it wounded, and um, I studied theological studies at, um, here in Canada. And one of the <clears throat> the spiritual lists that really struck me was um, the the gentleman, and now the name just went out of my head. <laughs> But he he referred to them as he referred to it as wounded healers, and when I first heard when I first heard that you know it's oh my God that's who I am a wounded healer, because for so long in my life I really didn't know who I was. Um, I was told many things you know like you said um, I grew up in Jamaica, I am one of the if your listeners know anything about Jamaican politics. Um, I am a 70s, I'm a child of the 70s, and the 70s in Jamaica was a a very volatile time. Um, We have, um, in addition to every other strife, but the major thing in Jamaica is political strifes. And there are two, at the time, two major political parties. And I was born and raised under the the umbrella of one, the People's National Party in Jamaica. And so 
that party um, was focused at the time on democratic socialism. And, and that could be a whole other show. But I bring up all of this because um, growing up girl, growing up black girl, um, growing up in a third world, quote unquote, country, um, there were so many things that was thrown at me as a child. At the time, I didn't know that this is where it would lead to. Um, at the time, it was just my life. And so, um, yeah, as, as, as I grew and mature and traveled, um, a, a good portion of the world, a significant portion of the world, particularly Europe, um, I realized, uh, okay, that was what that was for, that was what that was for. And I'm sure later in our conversation, we will come to that. And what were your travels? What what took you to the different places, especially Europe? Was okay. it your schooling or schooling? Schooling at first. That was my first um, outing outside of Jamaica. Like I said, um, I grew up in the more socialist side of the political spectrum, and through that political party, um, because my mother was an activist, and then I became an activist. Um, I, I gained a scholarship to the then the former Soviet Union. So um, I went there and I lived there for seven years uh, studying international relations. And was there something specific in your either as a as a girl or a young woman that made you want to help the hurting? Like at the time, at the time, no. At the time, um, I didn't know that I wanted to help uh, women who were raped, who who were victims. That's just, I don't like the word, but just for the, for the time being, um, victims of domestic violence. I, I I didn't know at the time that, um, and I hope your listeners won't be shocked by this. I didn't know at the time that um, a man, an older man, touching a younger girl was really sexual abuse it was child molestation i didn't know it happened to me so many times it was normal um so i didn't know at the time that the only thing i knew at the time came from my political interest which was as a young black woman you know we were just out of the black power movement and so forth so my focus was more there and at the time i really wanted to be in politics that didn't I I did to a limited extent in youth politics and then that's what led me to to apply for and and I got the scholarship to the Soviet Union and um, while there everything changed in terms of my perspective on politics on capitalism and socialism it's so funny we used to joke and say if you want to turn a socialist or a communist into a, a capitalist send them to Russia and that's exactly no <laughs> And that's exactly what happened for most of us who went there as these young radicals, you know, when we saw, oh, this is the reality of socialism or, you know, um, communism. We wanted none of it or most of it, at least. Let me speak for myself. So, no, to answer your question directly, no, at that age, um, I, I didn't know I wanted to help the wounded as I, I prefer, as I not prefer, but as I tend to call them. I'm, I'm, I'm very much one of them. That didn't come until much later. That's interesting what you said about 
it being almost second nature. Was that in your culture that the sexual abuse, which you didn't even recognize as abuse at the time, was that in in your in your culture per se, or or did it just happen to you as a fluke? It it was a cultural thing, and I am sad sad to say it it still continues today. Um, it, it was so pervasive and it is still pervasive and there might be people who will be angry with me for saying this, but one thing, Carol, anybody would tell you is that I speak straight. And sexual assault, sexual abuse of minors, rape and domestic violence is, violence is so rampant in Jamaica, I, the land of my birth, but it is it's a major issue it's only now you know in the last maybe 10 years or so that there is you know public outcry you know i think you know i i don't read the newspapers on a daily basis but i see when i do i notice that there are various campaigns being launched and um it's it's now more publicly spoken of and has this scarred you? And if it has, how have you coped with that? And what coping mechanisms do you have that you overcame this or did you? I was terribly scarred and I didn't know it. I was angry, aggressive, promiscuous, you know, um, and as I again, I hope your your listeners do not po- do not apologize. That's <laughs> this is an open show. I mean, this okay. this, is, this is your life, Claudette. Okay. So yeah, I I, I was scarred, um, and as I said, it led to it it led to all kinds of uh, not antisocial but undesirable behavior. Let, let us say, um, I was aggressive, angry. Um, bitter uh, and promiscuous, you know, and it, it, I didn't know where this was all coming from until um, much later in my journey, it, the door started to open for me um, in terms of those scars, which funny enough, I, I read a lot, I read a lot, and um, I know people have things to say nowadays about self-help, but if there weren't self-help teachers out there, I would not have started that um, healing process when I did. And it was a book by Ian Van Zandt that opened that door for me to healing. You know, when, when I read her books, um, there was one called, um, and one day my soul just opened up. And um, uh, there was another one before it, I think it was Rude Boy or something like that. But those were the in the first books by her were the ones that oh my god somebody else experienced this could you, you know? say could you say her name again a little more clear and oh, yeah. and, and the books please yeah Ianla Van Zandt she has a television show she is now you know well she was big friends with Oprah for a while and then they had a fall oh yes yes her. yes yeah yeah so um, one day my soul um, just opened up. It's actually like a workbook. And that, that was the one that really opened the door for me to step in and, and work through my is- issues, um, at least begin the process. Concurrently with that, I had... Okay, let's just backtrack a bit. Sure. Um, 
like I said, I grew up in a in a single parent home. Um, my mom and looking back now, I understand that she herself was scarred by her life. Um, but for me as a child growing up, um, all I saw was an angry woman who would beat the heck out of me, who Aww. would verbally abuse me. I have scars on my body to this day Aww. from those beatings. You know, I was stabbed by her, um, stuff like that. And um, for me, I, I thought I wouldn't cry anymore. You go right ahead and cry. That's that's wonderful <laughs> that you can show, you know, your true emotion. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, um, you know, while I was going through all of this, you know, then there was the, 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 the man who preyed on me because um, for various reasons, you know, that my mother was, and I, and, and I just don't want your listener to, listeners to think that I am blaming my mother because I am not. I am just saying where it started. Right. I'm just right. acknowledging where it started. And um, so while I was going through all of that, you know, her her issues, living through her issues, being molested by neighborhood men, you know, um, she turning a blind eye to to my promiscuity and actually encouraging it because she I was basically pimped. Let's let, let us name it as it was. And um, so. And all the time I was going to church, I was going to church and I was hearing these teachings in the church. And I was ashamed of myself, but didn't know, didn't feel I could speak with anybody in the church, you know, about what was going on because I was the scum of the earth. You know, I was, um, I was one of those women from the Bible who were prostitutes and whores, you know, so how could I approach anybody to tell them what I was living through, you know? And so I, I, I bottled that in and it came out as aggression as you know but the flip side is one thing for sure that my mother gave me was she always said education was the key so every opportunity i got to do a course you know so and even when i got the opportunity to go to to the former soviet union i took it because i always remember that education is a key education is a key and um I wasn't the brightest kid, but I did my best, you know, and that's one thing I would want anybody listening to us today to take away from this conversation, especially the younger people, um, women who are going through and want a second chance, go learn something, go learn something. It really is the key. And so, so there, there was conflicted between this religion that I was, grew up in I went to church every Sunday I was sent to church every Sunday but when I came home it was living hell of verbal physical abuse and sexual abuse not by my mother but by other people um, I, I didn't know what to do with it so I went to Russia to study we call it Russia and I still carried these things and I still lived out these behaviors um, you know got married had many boyfriends stuff like that so it was a long time before I realized that something was happening to me. I entered a same-sex relationship years later when I got back to Jamaica. And that actually was um, the door that opened because that was when I became a part, quote-unquote, of a 
family, a real family. And I saw how, okay, this is how families function. You know, the loyalty, the love, the bond, you know, the trust, you know, and I, it, it was just a different world for me. And I didn't know how to operate in that world. But, wow. <laughs> but while, while we were going, while I was going through this, you know, there was an undercurrent going on in me and in terms of my faith, you know, because for, I lived in Russia for seven years and had nothing to do with religion, obviously. There was nothing spiritual about my seven years there, you know, and, and then there was um, almost 10 years into this relationship and I got back that and there was still nothing religious or spiritual about it, but the undercurrent was there. And so fast forward a, a few years, um, I had left Jamaica again for a job and was working through the Caribbean and I came back home. And one day my soul literally opened up and said, something is missing. Something is missing. And I recall five years before a girlfriend had told us about this particular church that was opened in Kingston and uh, by a woman from the States. And I, I insisted on going the following Sunday. And that was the turning point of my life in terms of the healing that you asked me about, you know, in terms of meeting, quote-unquote, authors like this. And um, th- this church is, is called a New Thought Christian Church. And what they, they are Christians, but it's a blend of Christianity with um, psychology, um, metaphysics, and being a thinker and a person who is always yearning for information and education, it just, it appealed to my intellect. And that was when it, 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 you have to, I've said to people who have been in relationship, intimate relationships with, if you don't appeal to my mind, we cannot have a relationship. And, and so this is why I could not get on in a traditional Christian church because they were dumbing it down and I don't need it dumbed down. <laughs> You know, I, I, I need to, to to know the facts and to make my own decisions, you know, and to are the facts as far as you can say facts with faith. But um, so when I got into this church and started reading these books and started thinking for myself and started realizing, oh, my God, my aggression, that's where it's coming from. Oh, this is why, because I really couldn't stand women. You know, and I didn't know why I couldn't. I was in a same sex relationship, but I couldn't stand women, you know, and I was, oh, you know, then I realized, oh, it's my mother, the, the, the mother archetype. The, and that, that was when it started falling apart for me in terms mm. of this, this fairy tale that I had built up and this covering up of, of my life. And that's when the healing door opened. It didn't start to heal, but I didn't heal, but I it started. And then we came to um, Canada, my then partner and I, we migrated to Canada. And by then I, I was very much on some kind of a spiritual path. Like I said, um, books and, and, and people like that are very important to me. And the next big person in my life after Iyanla was a gentleman, a, a bishop, actually, <laughs> the only preacher man I ever loved. And his name. <laughs> His name is John Shelby Spong. He's, he's pretty old now, but 
um, Reverend Bishop Spong changed my view of Christianity, belief, faith, and so forth. The first book of his that I read was Why Christianity Must Change or Die. And then the second book of his that I read was Born of a Woman. And the third book of his that I read was called, is called Living in Sin. And between those three books, my world was flipped upside down 100 times over. Because there it was, all the questions I had inside of me about my the Christianity that I was following up until then, the faith that I was having, my shame and guilt about being in a same-sex relationship. And, you know, being in a same-sex relationship in a black community back in the day, still to some extent, is still an issue. But back then, 20 years ago, you know, we were so deep in the closet, it wasn't funny. Um, and then um, the third book, um, born of a woman. Now, if there was ever a feminist um, piece of work, that was it for me. You know, um, it, 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 all this, the negativity, all the things that I felt about myself negative as a woman, that book helped me to see that I had nothing to be ashamed of for my journey. You know, he, he, it kind of centered on Mary and the birth of Jesus and her being pregnant, you know, the whole virgin birth thing. And because so many women back then and today still believe in this concept of virgin. And um, if you're not a virgin, when you get married, you know, you're you're a scarlet woman. And I had so much shame, um, Carol, that it was unbelievable. So that that was my that is where my healing journey started the final part was while here in canada and um i decided okay this is it i'm on i want to be a a, a counselor i want to use joyce meyer is the first person i personally heard saying it and she said make your mess your message I knew I had a message. I didn't know who I was supposed to give it to, but I know I first had to understand it. So that's when I enrolled in theological college in the seminary because I wanted to know more about the origins of Christianity, which was my driving faith to the time. And I also wanted to know more about myself. So. I, I wanted, I started doing psychological, taking psychological courses and so forth. And then it led me to chaplaincy training because I saw that as the way for me to, to walk with people in literally in pain, you know, um, and that was the hospital experience, the hospital chaplaincy experience. When I got to the prison, that was the emotional, that was the emotional pain and suffering that I was, I, I, I met and all through that journey. I don't remember who it was I heard said, but there's, there's a saying that if you want to learn something, teach it. And um, that is exactly what happened for me. Sorry, I spoke so long. <laughs>
I'm just sitting here feeling so many different emotions and you I'm so glad that you didn't take a breath that you just kept going because just what you shared is something that really needs to be shared um, your guilt your shame is so similar to so many others who stand in that guilt and shame and you are free from it absolutely and this is like you said a mess let your mess become your message i absolutely love that i applaud you claudette for speaking freely and you're welcome to just keep going <laughs> Just, you know, um, maybe give some little tidbits that you give when you do share of specific things that you did to overcome that guilt and that shame and to feel the freedom. I mean, I can't imagine the the incredible change that would make in every area of your life. So anything else you want to share along those lines, just go ahead. No problem. Just just on the last thing that you said, I remember when I was in chaplaincy training, and um, you know, you had you had it's two levels. You know, first you're just an intern. You know, so that was a, a just a three month program, and you could do that several times. But then, if you were really serious about becoming a chaplain, um, you you did a residency, and that's a one year residency day in, day out at the hospital. So that's what I enrolled in after I did, you know, a couple internships. And um, what with the residency, the, the, the interns, you know, you could be in a large group of six people, but the residency, at least where the facility where I was, they only took three pers- people each year, candidates each year. Reason being, we had to become very intimate, not in a sexual way, but we had to know each other's life inside out. And part of the process in doing that was every Friday, I don't know why they chose a Friday, but every Friday afternoon after lunch, we would be literally locked in a room about the size that I'm in now um, to speak to each other. We had to tell our stories. Each, I remember my one of my colleagues, she called it the fishbowl. And it was literally a fishbowl. Imagine one of those glass bowls, small one, and three fish swimming around in it. We were bumping into each other every Friday. And I remember the evening, the afternoon, and I told my story of rape. Um, you know, my colleague was crying. And, and then she got angry. And she said to me, how can you speak so glibly about it, you know? I'm here crying and you're, you're just speaking about it. I said, I can because it's no longer an issue for me. I learned a lesson from my rapes. I, I, I learned what I needed to learn. Um, it's not easy to be raped. It's not easy for somebody to, to, grow, to grow away from the experience. It's, it's, it stays with you forever. Um, I'm telling you this story now and it's I'm having the images are in my mind it never goes away but you learn to 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 deal with the pain um I have never covered up the pain not anymore um there are times when I I don't laugh about it but I don't hide from what happened um it's it's something that I tell people all the time while I don't focus on negativity 
I don't deny it. And that was one of the challenges I had with the church that opened the door for me in Jamaica, the, the, the New Thought Movement. There is a, 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 this idea of, it's actually called denial. You have affirmation and you have um, denial. And um, I that part of it, I didn't have, I, I it is what it is. You know, there is illness in the world. I'm not going to say there isn't illness in the world. Women get raped every day. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, you know, by affirming wholeness, completeness, so forth. Not all of us are whole. Not all of us are complete or even halfway there. But we can be. It is a journey. It is a process. And it is that process that I walk every day. And while I'm walking it, I hope that somebody will see my example and follow along with me, walk beside me. And in that walking, in, in the first step of, for me, my experience, the first step of any healing process is to acknowledge what happened. Don't deny it. So I was raped. I was raped by my husband. I was raped by the next door neighbor. As a child, I was raped. Accept, not accept, acknowledge that it happened. And move forward. And move forward. Don't don't sit there with your hands on your cheek forever and ever and ever mired in the bitterness of what happened. And that's what I did for a long time. I was so paralyzed by how could this happen to me? You know, I did everything for him. Why did he beat me? So forth. It happened. This is what is happening. What am I going to do about it? And that's the next step. It, for me, in the situation of domestic violence, it was, okay, you're beating me. I'm a big woman. I'm not your child. You're bigger than I am. I can't fight back. If I do fight back, I'm just going to stab you, and then I'm going to end up in the prison. That is how my mind works. Right. right. <laughs> so what are my choices? My choice is to stay and take it. Or my choices to do. A lot of women, in my experience, don't do that. They don't look at what their choices are. Or they look at what their choices are and then they get stuck in the middle because of what? They don't want to start over. They don't want to lose the house, the car, the bling. And they don't want, for the sake of the children, they stay. I'm not blaming any of them. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're right. It just wasn't my way. My way has always been, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, if I am not happy in this, if you don't respect me in this to either pay me what I'm worth, to speak to me in a manner that is uplifting of my human beingness, I am leaving. I am not afraid to start over. And I think that is what the lesson that many women and men need to, to, to understand. There is no shame in starting over. I have started over so many times in my life, Carol. You would need two shows for me to walk you through the amount of times I've started over. I've I have two master's degree and at the time after having one. I started over 
my my girlfriend our partner at the time she and i we wanted to migrate and it it it, it didn't work well let's just put leave it at that and we lost everything and we had to start over i started over going to a working for a temp agency as a receptionist in an office where i was sharpening pencil for people who i was more educated now but what am i going to do I'm not going to be stuck. I'm not going to remain stuck. I walked out of that situation of domestic violence. I actually called the cops. You know, the truth be told is I was so badly beaten on the last occasion. Um, the, when the ambulance and police and everybody came to take me away, when I was in the hospital, and this happened back in, in Russia, and they asked me, what did I want to do? Did I want to press charges and go to court or what? I said, I had a lawyer, got a lawyer, and I said, can you strike a deal with the gentleman to just divorce me and, or let us divorce and give me custody of my child? Okay, and that's what happened eventually. Okay, but I am very, and I, I, I think a lot of people get caught up in Oh, what the neighbors are going to think. What What is my auntie, my grand-aunt, my grandmother going to think? No, it's your life. You're the one living it. You're the one getting the beating. You are the one in the middle of the, the, the puddle. You have to get yourself out. And this is a problem I have with some preachers of Christianity and other religion. There is no Messiah coming to save you. You have to take yourself out of any situation that you're in. Your faith will strengthen you. Your faith will give you the, 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 the power to move out and start again. But if you're waiting for somebody to come and save you, it's not going to happen. And that, that is, that's how I look at it. Well, I had about 90 questions. <laughs> while you were talking and I <laughs> I couldn't write fast enough so <laughs> I forgot most of them but you said so much in that the last five minutes that one of the things that really really struck me was dealing with reality mm -hmm. and not avoiding it no and this you know you've mentioned that a few times this happened and it's not something that I'm going to wallow in self-pity about. It happened. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I'm going to be a martyr over. It happened. Mm -hmm. This is the reality of it, okay? So where do I go from here? Exactly. And you did many, you know, there were so many issues in your life that you had to take that position. I mean, like you said, this is another show, which we are going to have to do. <laughs> Because there's so much here. And and this is why I, you know, like I mentioned to you in our pre-interview conversation that I was invited. I don't know how they found out, you know, heard my story. But I was invited by an organization. It's an online um, platform that uh, offers courses. And they have started a spirituality center. It's called um, Learn, it, Learn It Live. And they've invited me to join their team of um, spiritual 
in the spirituality center. And so I started courses there as of August. And um, my first course is, is called um, a Practical Spirituality in a Fundamentalist World. And I'm sure some people might hear the fundamentalist world and think I'm talking only about Christians or Muslims. You know, no, I'm talking about the prosperity teachers who are fundamentalist. I'm talking about the, 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 the people who are arming all day and doing nothing for what's going on in our world, absolutely nothing. I'm talking the whole spectrum of fundamentalists. And that is, and it's, it is a fine walk. It's a fine line between acknowledging, accepting, and doing something, or waiting for somebody to rescue you. You are not somebody who just talks the talk. You are walking the walk. You have to. Yes. And from that, you have not only gained a lot of strength in your own life, which is evident, but you have also learned how to teach others how to, with their pain, grow from it, develop it, and become stronger and better people. Let your pain be the propellant for the life that you really want. That's Very my well philosophy. Done. Let's say that again. Let your pain be the propellant or the gas or the petrol for the life that you really want to live. And are you living that life? Yes, I am. I, I am not, you know, somebody else might might look at me and say, Oh, she doesn't have a big house. Oh, she's not driving. She doesn't have a Lexus or whatever is a thing. Or she doesn't have me. I am living life that I want to live. That's right. And so I am living a wonderful life. I have a beautiful granddaughter. My daughter and I, that's the third show. My daughter and I have been through issues because of me walking this walk of trying to create the Claudette that I know I was called here to be. You know, I was not I was not called here to marry and be have kids and that's the end of the deal. No, I was not called here to do that. So she and I have had issues around that over the years because I would speak I always speak my mind. I you know at first I didn't know how the tone and so forth. I've learned that through you know everything that I've been through. But um, you get the opportunity, and it's a one-time opportunity because this is the only life that we know about. I'm sure there are others, but this is the one that we know about right now. And it is your responsibility to make the most of it. You remember the story um, of the people in the Bible. Um, I, and I pull from all kinds of literature, you know, so people might wonder, oh, how she has been in a same-sex relationship, and she's done this, and she's done that, and she's talking from the Bible. Yes, because for me, the Bible is for everybody, and you interpret it the way it, it, it serves you to make you who you are called here to be. And there's a story in the Bible about the people who were given, the, t- the servants who were given the talents by their masters. And some saved it because they were scared and others used it as best as they knew how. And that is what 
for me, it's a metaphor for life. Um, you can either hide away this life that you are given to live fully, or you can live it fully, however that fully is means to you. And it's up to you to determine what fully a full life looks like. A full life for some is the Oprah Winfrey life or Steve Jobs life. A full life for others is just serving their neighbors. It's up to you to decide how you're going to live that life that you've been given. And that is the definition of success. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. How do, do you have a online presence where you can um, counsel or help women if they want to reach out to you? Oh, absolutely. Um, they, as, as it stands now, I have my blog, which is at www.claudette.com. Well, you don't need that anymore. Claudette, C-L-A-U-D-E-T-T-E-P, E-S-T-E-R-I-N-E.com. That's one word. Um, and that's my blog, but, you know, I have, I write daily and I have contributors write daily, but our focus is, my tagline there is one woman inspiring others, but the larger picture is, our intention is to inspire, to be insightful, and to be in depth with our stories, with our conversation. I share very personally there, others share personally as well. So there's that, you can reach me there. Or you can reach me through Facebook. I have a Facebook page as well. And um, that's at, uh, obviously, facebook.com. Call it P.S. Serene, the same thing. Um, You can, I'm on Twitter. I have a foundation. It's a private foundation um, funded by me. I have not asked anybody for any money. And it's, um, so I'm at Twitter, um, D-O-S for Daughters of Sheba Foundation. All, you have to start with all of the foundations. So DOS Foundation. So that's how you can reach me. On, I'm all over social media. You can right. find me as well on, as where you and I met on Google+. Plus. Well, we will have all that information on your post as well when, when I write up your post and we'll have your contact information. Uh, of course, this broadcast will be on there and people will be able to look at everything all in one in in one sitting so anything you know that you want to add um we can always add that too so this is this is wonderful claudette that you have shared so intimately with us and i appreciate that i know my listeners will appreciate that is there anything in closing that you would like to say as a call to action possibly a call to action for women who are hurting for women who are hurting the only thing i can say to you is you are the only one who can make that pain stop there is no man there is no woman there is no child and i'm emphasizing that because lots of women think that their children are their salvation no they're not as um, Kalinji brown said they are known to us so you and you alone at whatever age that you are you have it within you to make the shift to make the change it might mean walking away from the comfortable life or as you consider it comfortable it might mean walking away from uh, a 30-year relationship 
I did. I walked up. Well, I was dumped <laughs> in a 16-year relationship. And Carol, I tried to commit suicide twice at the end of that relationship because I didn't think I could live any. I, I couldn't live without this person. And guess what? Six, seven years later, here I am, living the best life. I have never been so happy in my life. And it's not because of another human being. It's because of me. That is a very strong and powerful statement. And I think that's a good statement to, to close on. So again, Claudette, I thank you. We will definitely be in contact. We will, um, hopefully many of the listeners will be touched by this as I was and will be contacting you as well. And definitely we need to book you back in. So you be thinking about that as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I love your accent. <laughs> Your laugh. I'm gonna. I should tape that portion of it and just use that whenever I need to hear <laughs> a good laugh. <laughs> Thank you again. And before we go, let me congratulate you, Carol, on the work that you are doing. You know, we we met on um, Google Plus, and I, I read your blog. I, I follow your stories. I see you on LinkedIn. You know, and I might not comment every single time, but you are doing phenomenal work. Um, you and congratulations on the recognition, not by me, but by your community of that work with your program being picked up in Washington, D.C. Absolutely proud of you. Well, thank you. That that kind of set me back. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. That is most kind of you, and I sincerely appreciate it. So we'll close for now, and we will be talking again. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Have a good rest of the weekend. You too, Claudette. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.